When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Dr. Drew and you are listening to This Life with Bob Foy and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Boys and girls, gather around. It's another episode of This Life. So get your iPad out and put your uh, whatever those little thing, those little earplugs you put in your ears. Uh, AirPods. I, what are they called? AirPods. 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 Put the AirPods in and let another episode of This Life with Dr. Drew and Bob and Shelly. And Shelly's sitting in with us again, which we really appreciate, Shelly. Hi, guys. And you may have to, to be here. You may have to run out at some point. Yes. Yeah, so you're welcome to. So we Thank are you. joined by a special guest, Lana Turner, comedian, actress, singer, uh, she was married to Ralphie May, who was one of my favorite comics. And um, you, you, wait a minute. Where did you guys meet? What do you mean, Ralphie and I? Yeah, we met in Houston. Okay, so like I, twenty years ago. What am I reading about last comic standing? What do you mean? She and Ralphie. Who? Oh, Ralphie was the that was on last. Yeah, comic Ralph standing. was on last comic. Yeah, uh, okay, that's where his it. career like took off. Took off. Yep. And we watched your one-hour stand-up special called "So I Wrote a Song About It." Yeah. Some of your stuff is so goddamn funny. I know Thank it's so. You. I mean, it's. I mean, seriously. <laughs> yeah, like, you. I was like, "That's like Ralphie level." <laughs> that to me is like really important. <laughs> that's like as funny as it gets. Well, it's kind of um, tough because sometimes you'll meet the spouse of somebody who's yeah. successful, but I'm a legitimate comedian. Well, which I was always... thinking about that. How much, how hard that must be for you? But but your writing, your writing is so funny. Do you, do you write for television or anything? Um. I don't. I've written some projects, but you know, I always joke I was the woman behind the man. You just couldn't see me back there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. But, you know, I had so I had the funny. blessing though of being able to be a comedian for many many years and not not have to be in front of the you know big thing. I didn't have to be in the limelight. I could just do what I love to do and raise children. Yeah, and that's unusual for a female comedian. Yes. And so I've been very, very blessed in that way. So but. you didn't have the full female comedian <laughs> spectrum. Well, a lot of women aren't able to have babies in our business because, you know, it, it, it's just, it's really hard to it's do too it consuming. all. consuming. Yeah, but I, I was able to have children and, and now I have to work a lot more. And I have no other skill set outside of dick jokes. So I have to figure this out fast. You should be right. <laughs> they should be but, very popular at this point. <laughs> no, they're, I mean, it's like, it's very like. Very popular with me. Thank uh, yeah, you. Sh- <laughs> Shelly does it. Did you, did you watch her special? You just I, I did. Comedy. I did. Yeah. And I watched your, your late husband as well. And mm-hmm. like, uh-huh. I'm sorry, but I just think it's, it's just, 
it's so funny. And in a time where there's not a huge amount of laughter. Oh. Yeah. What it, Ralphie could do, I'm sorry, I hope we don't mind me. I oh, like talking to Ralphie as oh, much no. as you. Oh, no. I mean, Ralphie. Because I miss him. I miss I him. Miss and him I, I don't know if you know, we, we, I was walking down the street in Las Vegas with a friend of mine. I was like, oh, jeez, he's at Bally's. We got to go see him. I literally ran across the street <laughs> and met up with him that night. And, that was, and he was gone very soon after that. It was just Well, we did a podcast the night of the memorial, right? Yeah, we did. We did. It was weird. And Drew had to leave early. I'm so sorry about yeah. all this. But oh, were you, I, the, the memorial is a blur for me. So, I, I mean, people continually come up and like, oh, yeah. we saw you at the memorial. I'm like, I don't remember yeah, you. Yeah, I, I was at a distance, believe me. Yeah. Uh, Drew got there late, so yeah. don't worry. <laughs> I, it wouldn't have mattered to me. I yeah. honestly, like some of my best friends talked to me that night, and I, I don't remember even talking to them. Was, and and as, as horrible as it was, it wasn't. It's not like anyone went, oh, my God, that's impossible. Right. What a went, surprise. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. wasn't a surprise. Talk to us about that. About it, which we, part? I, I never really knew. Well, I don't I don't want to divulge any confidences or anything, but I really didn't really – I never – he never let me into that piece. As, and I, and I, I had a very sort of friendly relationship with him. Right. But I don't know really what he was struggling with. I really don't know. Oh. I just could see it. I just didn't know what it was. Yeah, I mean, he was – really really good at hiding his yeah. addictions i mean yeah. the most obvious one is the food addiction which um i didn't understand that for many many years when i first met him 20 years ago i was he he actually we were friends first and he sat me down and he was like you're thin will you help me lose weight and i was so naive to addiction that i was like you know two and a half pounds a week right you know that and and i i said to him at that time i go please don't ask me to do something that you're not sincere in wanting to do because once you ask me, I will never stop trying to help you. Mm. If I commit to this, you have to be equally as committed. And he was like, no, I really want to. And I was like, put away the ranch. Let's start right now. Mm. And uh, like 17 years later, I was like, oh my God. Um, But I never, I rarely saw him eat anything that was that exceptional, but you would see evidence of it. Like one time, the worst one I ever saw was... um, I, I kept sugar and stuff out of the house. And uh, so he would have to use, when I wasn't around, he'd have to go someplace and he would sneak out. And I was like, are you having an affair or are you eating a cheeseburger? Like, I don't know what's going on. It makes you crazy. Um, but I found the kids had a birthday party and I bought some M&Ms from Costco, the big bag. And um, one of those bags ended up in the pantry. You know, throw them in cookies, right? And he ingested that in a weekend. That's like 60 portions of M&Ms. And so when you see that, you're, all, you're getting your calories. You just, it's in binging. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's scary. So he was for 20 years aware of it and trying to, trying to do something about it. But, but did he think of, of like what most people do, the gastric bypass or the band or things like that? Was, did he think about doing that? He had two stur- surgeries on his stomach one was a stapling which was like before i met him and when i met him he was 800 pounds so the stapling was unsuccessful Mm -hmm. after last comic standing and now we were together seven years prior to last comic standing so i was with an 800 pound man this is my i i i i have a lot of my own stuff to figure out um but seven years into the relationship he got gastric bypass and he lost 300 pounds yeah Uh um and it plateaued. And he lost. He lost more than that, though, because mm-hmm. I saw him. Well, at his sm- smallest, he yeah. was probably maybe five fifty or four fifty, four thirty, maybe. Four thirty. Wow. But then you know he would bounce between high fours, low fives, 
after the gastric bypass, he, he just couldn't get out of that area. And what, uh, towards the end of our marriage, I got, I was very concerned. He was in and out of the hospital and rehab. Mm-hmm. For what drug? That's where, that's where I think you wanted to hear more. Um, so rewind seven years prior, he had, he was always a pot smoker. There's no secret about that. Um, heavy help with the food. Heavy. Yeah. Okay. And, and the hormonal imbalances yeah. and everything. But, you know, I mean, pot was a big part of his life and it helped him with some of the body pain that he had. But what happened was he had pulmonary embolisms. Oh my God. And, uh, we, he was on a, a boat going, he was on a cruise ship working and he had pneumonia and they took him off the boat on a gurney. It had progressed to the point where he, he was nearly de- dead on the yeah. boat. It was yeah. crazy. And they, they took him to the hospital in Tampa. I flew in and met him and his feet and fingers were purple mm. and they got him on a heparin drip. That's what saved his life. His sister actually did it for him. She was a nurse. She drove him from Orlando and they moved him up into the ICU unit. And when he passed the clot, I was in the room with him. He completely stopped breathing and his pupils were shaking and dilating. Mm. He was seconds from death oh and a pulmonologist came in the room and, and they saved his life mm. and he was lucky he shouldn't have lived. I think he had the doctor told him like a thirty percent chance of living through that weekend, um, and then he got out of there. But they said you cannot smoke pot anymore. But here's oxycodone. Here's oh Percocet. Here's Here Xanax. Go. Here's oh. everything else. Oh man! Yeah, oh. and that's when that's when it got bad. Yeah, this sweet person that mm-hmm. I married that I fell in love with, despite his size and other things that you know people see physically, like that would have probably not been. Like, because our relationship was so based on on him and who he was, that shit stripped him of. Mm-hmm. I mean, who it, he was. Him yeah, and I mean, who he was. And he was super depressed. And and from that point on, though, literally in the seven years that followed, he was in and out of the hospital every four to six months. He, I think, he had eleven hospitalizations and rehab stints in seven years. Oh, his last seven years of life. Oh no, the seven years that we were together, oh. and then he. What happened was we we did rehab. Mm-hmm. I, I say we because. I forced him into rehab, which didn't work because, right. um, you know, $80,000 later Ugh. and, uh, and he didn't want you go want to Malibu? It. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. You know, and I think what we were talking about right before we got on, it, you know, I think families are so desperate for yeah. that person to get and that's sober. why these people take advantage of it. Yeah. You yeah. will spend yes, every bit. Waste. You yeah. can, there's places like cry help. What's cry help cost? For a month, ten thousand bucks for a month, and it's highest level of care in terms of what they need. I wanted, I wanted to stay in rehab. I would go and visit him, and I'd be like, I, I want to stay here. Shouldn't be like that. It was beautiful. It should not be like that. The food was so good. (laughs) I was like, this is crazy. Good. And did they address his eating problems too? Um, I mean, the whole addiction cycle was supposed to be addressed. Was he traumatized as a kid? Yeah, I mean, he had his traumas. Do we know what? That's. Where things get really cloudy for me because um, he didn't even know. Probably well, he probably didn't tell her. No, blocks it out. Blocks he it told out. me. He told me things that were absolutely horrific that would totally explain his issues. But a year after he left me, I was his mother was stayed friends with me. She actually, you know, when people split up, it's messy and people try and figure out where do they want to yeah, fit into yeah. the pieces. So his mother sat me down and she's like, I don't understand why he's doing this to you. And I go, well, maybe it was because of, you know, he was, he's talked about this publicly so I can share it here. Okay. Um, maybe it was because of his molestation, molestation. And I mean, his story about what, what he said and, and 
she had no knowledge of what he said. And his story was that she was privy to it and took him to the hospital and that he'd gone to court. Like he had this whole big story mm-hmm. uh-huh. that she absolutely she denied, denied mm-hmm. and his sister too. And then he had this massive car wreck and he had a car wreck, but it was completely different than what his mother and sister had talked about. Like was he, he taken opiates by the time he told you this no, stuff? No, nope. he told you. Way he maintained before. these stories. I mean, it. I was devastated because for nearly two decades, this was the foundation of who he was and the reasons for. The, I find it all so incredibly confusing. I bet, <laughs> like I, bet. I, I, I would love for you to explain. I mean, for literally, I believe these stories for years. And why wouldn't I? If somebody tells you these things, you just want to hold them. Well, and and I'm sure something happened. Right. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure something happened, but exactly what and what he made of it and why it was manufactured. I mean, memories are notoriously distorted. Yeah. Notoriously, but mom and sisters may have been distorted too. So and somewhere in so there, different. especially yeah. com- comedians do it a lot, where it's hard to tell where the bit ends and the real life begins. Because yes. I've known a lot of comedians that. You don't know that That's their stories yeah. are. I was just going to say, well, waka waka, I was bleeding out my butt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's no, there was like no gray area in the, like there was no crossover to comedy in these what? stories. But yeah, I know, like there's the creative mind. Yeah, and exaggeration and the integration. I've seen a lot of comedians do this where they hear a story of a friend of theirs, kid. You know, something happened with that family, integrated into their own and make it happen like it happened to them. And then they tell the story, the bit, so many times that all of a sudden they believe that it really actually happened to them. I believe a thousand percent that he believed the yes, story. That's I just what think I'm saying. He got it off of Law and Order. <laughs> like, uh. I, don't, I don't know where, because it was such a, 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 such a specific story. What, what did he, do you mind me asking what he said? Uh, I mean, the car wreck has been. So, I mean, I was devastated. The car wreck story, he told me his whole life. Basically, he, and he t- he's told it on other places. And I don't want to, like, shit bag on him at all. That's not my yeah, no, my goal. No. But basically, he'd had a car accident in which he'd gotten hit by a drunk driver. And the car ran off an embankment. And he broke 62 bones or, like, 72 separate breaks or something. He was in a coma. Now, see, the reason I was sort He's of a doctor uh, that can't have happened. Well, no, yeah. that's the reason I want to <laughs> assess because I can tell you what sort of what sounds right and what doesn't sound right. This sounds like that is some huge embellishment of something. Well, here's I don't know what. Here's what happened. Maybe if I were a betting man, I'd say maybe he was drinking and maybe something like that happened. So the the story <laughs> something happened though for but sure. Something happened yes. and there was a car accident. It was a car accident. <laughs> and after 17 years of the story, I'm sitting on the couch talking to his mother, and she goes. He ran off the road in a truck. There was another guy in the car with him. He flipped the vehicle into a empty lot. They were driving to go get alcohol yeah. to sell it at a Boy Scouts party or some, <laughs> something like that. Whoa. And um, he told her the truck. He broke his clavicle. Yeah. And uh, and that was basically it. And then, oh, her she got sued by the other kid's mother. Yeah. And the, her insurance policy ended up having to pay out. And... When I heard the story, I was crying. That sounds closer to reality. Yeah, that sounds, that close sounds close to reality. Yeah. Well, I turned to his sister who was in the room, and I said, Melanie, what happened? Where were you? And she said, well, I was driving back to college. And I said, well, she's – and she's the RN that came down and helped with the heparin and yeah. helped save his life. I yeah. said, well, what what happened? And she goes, Lana, if he'd have had a, a stint in his brain – He'd have to been life flown into Little Rock because there ain't no neurosurgeons in Clarksville, Arkansas. And I was just like <gasps> – Oh, like 17 years Did of me. Did you feel lied to? I felt 
I, yes, I, but I mean, I was. Well, you know what it sounds like? It sounds wait, like- wait, wait. Do you, do you feel manipulated into that was part of his shtick to get you? To I, marry you? No, I mean, I don't know. I would have loved him no matter Drew. what. Like, I, I just, I think. Look, I, again, I don't want to like sit here and be like Ralphie, but like, no, I, well, listen, I love Ralphie in any flavor. Yes. You yeah, can't, there's nothing you can say <laughs> well, that's going to diminish my feelings about him and right. what he did for the world and his audiences. Mm-hmm. He's the one that suffers. Right. It's because of his own suffering that we did whatever he did with you, and he sounds like somebody. He reminds me of histrionic patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's histrionic patients will sometimes come up with these tremendous See, well, what does I that mean histrionic it's a certain kind of personality structure but then we we want to try to you know we we want to pathologize like what this is yeah, about yeah yeah and we want because we want to understand it yeah. right right well, I do yeah. too that happens yeah to, we don't want to but I deal it. with okay. Ralphies yeah. all the time and, and at a certain point it gets exhausting trying to figure out what, what the truth is yes yeah you have to just say, I don't know what the truth is, but I love the person I love anyways. the person anyways. I love the person anyways. Yeah. I don't know what the truth is. Yeah. And then we don't feel so defensive because yeah. we get lied to every day. <laughs> yeah, we like, like constantly, constantly. The best one so, was a kid told us, this is back when we had a treatment center together. A kid told us that he was an Iraqi veteran and oh. it told us all these horrendous things yeah. he had done. And I'm just an old junkie and I was like, that kid don't look old enough to go to right. Iraq. Remember right. that? Right. Yeah. And, no, but, it still But happens. Dr. Plum and you both believed. Were, oh, and they, we had yeah. a PTSD completely. expert come down. Right. Finally, like you talked to Ravi's mother, I talked to this kid's mother and I said, so, so how long was he in the service? And she said, what He's service? <laughs> But, but you have to, and we but, had but, him having a PTSD therapist. And, and so to wow. me, I just kind of shake my head. I don't feel violated by that. I'm just like, oh, jeez. <laughs> my thing is like, oh, how insecure must you feel about yourself? Me? To, no, no. Or him. him yeah. Or this kid to have to concoct these stories that you think we need to hear in order to connect to you and to feel okay and you know f- feel and sorry for you. And that's what you feel, that yeah. connection. I want to relieve that sadness and that fr- that fear from the person, right? We, we and reassure a, them. We've got to take a break. You have an Indiegogo account. You want to tell us about that? Yeah. Um, um, I was going to punctuate what you just said, too, by saying that I feel like everything with Ralph was, like, larger than life. Yeah. Like he was a well, big that's, person. That's the yeah. stuff. And everything was big and wonderful, like, yeah. and fun. And so, yeah, I mean, there were times where I was like, you're full of shit. Like, I know you're lying to me right now, but you kind of just make a pass because, you know, like, it's... It's got a great reward. He, well, he what had, were his comedian role models? I'm assuming Richard Pryor, Freddie Kennison Prince, and all, yeah. Kennison. These are not the greatest role models <laughs> in the world. Not in life, yeah. But yeah. you know what Ralphie could do that I've never seen anybody else do quite? He could. He's like an orchestra. He's like he's like an orchestra leader. The audience was like his orchestra, and he could literally like make waves go mm-hmm. through it. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a Talent. group. I've never seen that. I just, I was like, and I was affected by it too. I was laughing and laughing my ass off. But I would, literally, he would just like, like a like a maestro taking a huge group of people and making them do what he wanted them to do. The craziest thing I've ever seen. What's but, so we want to talk about the documentary and uh-huh. the Indiegogo. Okay. And then we're going to say goodbye to Periscope. Okay, bye Periscope. But after we yeah. talk about that, because okay. I want people to know about your Paris. Your okay, the, okay. the documentary. Um, yeah, so like, Ralph left this incredible gift and it's a really long story how we've gotten to this point but um but he left a one hour special behind um we did a documentary i said we um ralphie was involved in in trying to do this thing so we asked about the the weight loss surgeries he had wanted to get lap band a third surgery i was at i was so against it uh because he'd already had two prior surgeries but and he's a he had clots and all oh god i was so against it but 
a, bet you can always find a doctor that'll do it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was like, can we just put duct tape over your mouth? Like, what's the difference? We keep cutting up your intestines, you know? So anyways, we... I, but I began to recognize that anything we could do to get the weight off his body, because I told him, I said, you, you'll be dead in two years. We have to do something. Yeah. And so I, I will, I will move forward with you and we, I will help you through this lap band. And, and then I hired and he helped as well. He wanted to do it. We hired our friend, Catherine, Kat Reinhardt, and we started to film him in this weight loss journey, which clearly didn't work. And actually insurance would not pay for it. And oh, yeah. so it became yeah. a question of him just doing it on his own, which he didn't want to do it on his own, yeah. which is why he wanted the lap band, which wouldn't have worked anyways. So um, in the process of recording this journey, we also recorded a ton of stand up, And so we have this amazing collection of bits that we can put together for people who, so we can give one last one hour special and then we have this documentary which is in the final phases of being edited it's almost done and um we're trying to do crowdfunding to finish the rest of it because believe it or not his accounts were empty when he passed mm. which is a whole nother story about addiction and enablers mm. um but yeah so i'm was looking, he giving money to people and stuff oh okay. he had like 260 dollars in his personal account oh when he died and uh yeah that's a whole nother story and you would be in the documentary except one of his the worst person like that came into his our lives and like messed everything up actually took off with some of the hard drives. And so oh, we man. actually came in to your Radio show, show about three years and some uh, change ago. Yeah. And one of the hard drives was us in, your, in the in radio you. studio. I remember that because yeah. that's the only time I'd ever met you was at the radio studio until I saw you the other night. Yeah. 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 Maybe we have the audio somewhere. Uh, you probably do. Yeah, without doubt you would have the audio. Maybe but we can find out. Yeah, but, I mean, we have like this whole hard drive that, that this guy based. I mean, it's a really long story, but he's one of the people who stepped into Rafi's life and like and mm. caused a lot of problems. But the enablers are what fascinate me. But, um, should, should we? But anyways, Indiegogo. Well, Let's call them what they are. They're the exploiters. They're yeah. not enablers as what much is as the, exploiters. What is the Indiegogo? So I don't have the Indiegogo account name right now but um because we haven't actually launched the, the link but it's going to be up on indiegogo and it's ralphie may and if you follow social media you can I'll, we'll be posting everything we're, i believe we're starting july 10th what's your what's your say twitter handle just lana turner l-a-h-n-a turner t-u-r-n-e-r okay. well you've heard me speak about supplement bergamot for about two years now and most recently their sport formulation which helps reduce inflammation shortening workout muscle recovery time but I want to come back to the formula that originally got me excited about the brand. That is the Bergamot Mega Plus. Yep, the Mega Plus O uses key extract from the bergamot citrus fruit. It's a unique fruit, extremely rich in polyphenols. They've been shown to reduce the risk of heart disease, polyphenols. And Bergamot Mega Plus O works like a natural statin, right? For these medications you use to lower cholesterol. Well, this works in precisely the same way. In addition, though, it addresses another condition called metabolic syndrome which is abdominal fat high cholesterol high triglycerides high blood pressure insulin resistant metabolic syndrome it helps with that it also helps with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease now physicians can recommend different pharmaceuticals for these conditions but bergamot mega plus o offers the all-natural solution cardiologists and physicians worldwide do recommend bergamot its effectiveness is the subject of many scientific publications i've taken it myself i have recommended and have patients on it right now and for a limited time, Bergamot is offering our listeners 25% off any of the supplements by entering the code DRDRW at checkout. That is Dr. Drew, all one word, at checkout. To learn more, visit bergamet.com. That is B-E-R-G-A-M-E-T, B-E-R-G-A-M-E-T.com. And remember that use that code, Dr. Drew, at checkout. We only have one rule at a Ralphie Make Show. 
and that's to have a good time. So who here is ready to have a good fucking time? You know who you need to see. Put your hands together for Mr. Ralphie. Hey, everybody. She'd been married for 10 years to a son of a bitch. He was an asshole. He hit her. But she couldn't make breakfast. I see both sides. <laughs> My agent called me up, right? And uh, he goes, Are you sitting down? And I go, Uh, always. <laughs> yeah, I'm flying upside down. I can't take your call right now. I apologize, ma'am. I'll get to uh, jokes you approve of. I told every woman I've ever been with, don't you ever come to my bed with no soapy tasting pussy meat, bitch. I smell a soapy diner, I'll make you put your clothes back on and run around the block four or five times. I ain't got no time. Those big dumb titties, they weren't droopy at all, they were perky. Fucking great. Big monstrous titties. With my favorite nipples, the baloney fadeaways. That's a little sizzle from what's coming, right? That's a little sizzle of the stand-up. You see, each little chunk is from a different city, and he was so good. Every time he would go to a new town, he would riff for the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes about where he was. Would he go do a little research? Would he walk around? And No, he was, you know, he was just, just pick it so up and just good. absorb it. Yeah. He was, I mean, look, he'd been doing stand-up his, half of his life, and he could just more than half of his life. So. But still, that whole riff he did about uh, Providence and all the different <laughs> regions, I mean, how did he know that? He's so smart. Yeah. Ralphie was so smart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could just pick up on stuff. And hence the ability to, like, win people over and still charismatic. And, and I, manipulate and do all those good yeah. things, too. <laughs> well, yeah. So. I mean, I, I fell in love with a really smart guy. Yeah. Just really troubled, but yeah. Yeah. They so. usually are. Yes. <laughs> and we're all a little messed up. I mean, I know I'm fucked up, too. I mean, it's just all part of the whole thing, right? So, What are you doing for you to get over all this? I've been consistently going to therapy for like a year and a half. Um, I, I found the Maple Center, which oh, is great. It's very good. Very good. It's structured so that you can afford it. Because yeah. that's one of the things about therapy, man. Like, you go to a therapist and you leave there and you're like, that was an hour of my life and I could have gone on an airplane and I could be in like, I, mm-hmm. you know... I could be in Cuba. <laughs> like yeah, I could yeah. be doing a totally different kind of therapy right now. Um, whereas not to not to shit back on anything because any help you can get. But I mean, you can't afford to go every week. Whereas at Maple Center, I, they require you to go every week, and you can afford it. So, and are they doing groups still? 
At Maple? I'm at sure Maple? I'm sure they do. Are they, they doing a, group therapy as I well? I did a group parenting class. Okay. And I They've did, got a lot of, lot of different programs. Yeah. So they got okay. some stuff for your yeah. children too. I, my kids go every week. And okay. then we did some family therapy too with the kids. And also okay. another cool thing that I found for the kids is, and, and they have group for p- adults, but I haven't been able to go, is Our House, which is a grief, a grief center that help people with mourning. And my kids went to Camp Aaron this summer, which is amazing. So it's for all the children that, um, that were at this camp lost either a parent or a sibling in the last three years. Wow. And uh, and then wow, this weekend yeah. we're going to a Dodgers game because the Dodgers sponsor Camp Aaron and mm-hmm. our house, so they give away tickets so the wow. kids will be with their ki- friends cool. from their cabin. Oh my god, that's great! Cool. It's so great. How old are the kids? Um, my son just turned nine, and my hey, daughter's ten. By the 10. way, good on yeah. you for going out and finding the right yeah. services and stuff and affordable. So that's why I always tell people there's affordable stuff out there, but you yeah. have to do the legwork. How did you it. find out about it? Uh, another widow. Uh, <laughs> there's like, I mean, I just met, I no. Meet that's important. And, you find out from the people who know. Yeah, who've been through Everybody it. Everybody thinks yeah. they're going to look at call the back of their insurance card and the magical things are going to happen. Yeah. It's not. You mm-hmm. have to be vulnerable and talk to people and and reach out to communities and people don't want to do that or i mean right now maybe there's somebody out there who just heard that because mm-hmm. i didn't know that existed somebody had to tell me and and, I, and then and then you have to take the initiative to apply i mean there was an application process it, you know they they do a phone interview and in-person interviews where'd you grow up uh canada yeah. Then and Texas. Don't you right. want to move back at this point? To Canada? Yeah. <laughs> Politically? <laughs> yeah, I mean, though, it's cold there. <laughs> what, what part? The only drawback. Um, I was born in a place called Sarnia, which is a small town in Ontario, and then raised in Toronto, and then moved to Texas when I was like 13, where mm-hmm. I met Ralph. But I don't, I try not, I love Texas, but I don't really claim it anymore. I'm so LA, I hate myself. Mm-hmm. I love LA. Like, <laughs> Don't give up your Toronto roots. Oh, uh, tr- yeah, I'm Canadian. Kids in the hall are from Toronto. Yeah, no, can, can, I'm Canadian. Canadian Californian at this point. But what I was mean, your comedian heroes? Oh my god! Well, I play I play music on the guitar, so yeah. you know I I really love. So if I was to like aspire to different Steve Martin, yeah, he's amazing. Um, believe it or not, Rodney Carrington is one of my favorite comedy songwriters, and people don't give him enough credit for as brilliant as his songwriting is. I mean, yeah. he has some funny songs, but uh, I I'm a big fan of comedy. I I mean, I feel like. I mean, I can watch an open mic and crack up at well, somebody. Well, so. Just so you, when you say the word Toronto, to me, it's kids in the hall. Yes. Because I was in a band and I remember we played the Elma Combo, which is the most famous club there in history. The Rolling Stones played there, Elvis Costello. And I was walking from the bus and two of the kids in the hall guys were going to the guest list. And I was like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> like, all right. Because if you're, I've just been a comedy fan since I was like seven or eight, and I wanted to be a stand-up, but I was too scared. It's Aww. too weird of a do it job. now. I've been thinking about it. Get on stage. It's so well, much fun. It's never too late. It's become sort of the. They are kind of the current rock stars, right? That's kind of yeah, what, they are the that same impulse. That well, same impulse. Kevin Hardisk. Well, but no, but I mean, <laughs> there's, it's, there's one current rock star. No, no, I don't mean just in terms of how they're perceived. I mean in terms of what the impulse was to be a rock star. It's yeah. a similar impulse. It is. There. Yeah, this is so like people want to be stand up, huh? I think that's it's a similar impulse now. It's it's sort it's sort of an antisocial impulse at its core, right? It's these a lot of people theorize that, but it's wanting to hold an audience and make a difference and you know, commune with influence people. the culture. Influence and the stuff culture. Like that. Yeah. It's so much fun. And I mean, as far as rock star lifestyle goes, I mean I I was just in Vegas last night. I mean and Did you perform? Yeah. yeah. And I definitely like 
I am not a mom when I'm on the road and I, I'm so responsible all the time that I get to actually, when I get on the road, I get to be irresponsible and stupid. So let's, a lot of people at home don't know, and we've talked about it a couple of times. So it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? To do, do the gigs? Yeah. It so you're by yourself, but usually if you do improvs or whatever, you the do improv- Thursday, Wednesday Friday, through Saturday, Sunday, depends. Wednesday through Sunday, depends. two shows on Saturday. Uh-huh. So seven shows through the total. Sometimes stand. two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, depends so, on. Right? Yeah. All by yourself. Well, you maybe have somebody go with you. It's not like being in a band no. where you got 20 other people around right. you to be are, a are part of. Are you watching of. I'm Dying Up Here? The yes. I have been able to watch yeah. it, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, but there it's is a community you're a part of is why I bring that up. But but it is a lot of drinking because because yeah. a lot of the casualties of comedy were acquaintance of mine like Hedberg. And right. Like, it's so sad because you get sober – and then you're going to go be lonely by yourself around people who want to drink and take drugs with you, right? Yeah. Oh, listen, it's, Louis in his series explored that a bit, right? Yeah, but yeah. he's not a drug addict though. Well, but it was he was talking about the alcohol and stuff. And Every alcohol. comic is. Do you feel obligated up, to drink? <laughs> um, I well, sometimes you do. So I started stand up in Houston, and I wandered into the old laugh stop there, and there was some of the funniest comics I've ever seen. Live in that town, yeah. and their careers never went anywhere because of alcohol and their inability to leave that that bubble. And uh, so, watching that, I decided that I would not drink in clubs. Wow! Because wow, yeah. yeah but you're you're Jew, you're Ashkenazi Jew, right? Yeah. So there's not so much alcohol genetics there. So it's easier. So for you can make that rule. Yes, yeah. that's the point. But that's the point. Last night in Vegas, after well, after my set, because I also I I like to be on stage. I like to be coherent. Like it was any time I've gone on stage, a little bit buzzed. I I have a hard time keeping. No, but my it's focus. usually from from twelve thirty till four in the morning is what I'm talking about. It's in the venues, afterwards. yeah, afterwards the drinking, yeah, and drugs. Bob's, I'm rom- Bob's actually drugs. actively romanticizing <laughs> this right now. <laughs> I know. I, I was one time. Let me tell you my best Kinnison story. So I'm at Duke's next to the whiskey. Mm-hmm. We're all like in awe of Kinnison. Yeah, a bunch of musicians. We all idolize comedians. Ironically, <clears throat> so he walks in. So fucked up at like ten o'clock in the morning, and he's you know they had bench tables, and he sat right across from me and AK, mm-hmm. and we're just like and we want to talk to him, and he just ordered something, and they took something out and poured a drink, and he drank it, and he just put his head down on the table and fell asleep inside oh. the restaurant. Oh my god! And we're like, holy hey. fuck! Oh, yeah, that's, right. That sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but like. Uh, well, for me, I Did was Ralphie like, do that. Yeah, stuff? yeah. but I, I towards the end, yeah. But yeah, I mean, must have terrible sleep apnea, though, Ralphie. Ra- well, he got tested for it and had it, but refused to use uh. the machines. Like I, I was married for the majority of my career, and and then I've had you know I had two small babies, and I would be out on the road with them, and I had a husband that took a lot of work to mm-hmm. take care of, and just to navigate and maintain all those different plates in the air were different than now. So. So as of now, when I go on the road, it's a completely different thing and a little bit more frightening in terms of what you're talking about because I'm, I have the ability to be irresponsible on the road <laughs> and do things that I'm like, okay, I need to be careful mm-hmm. because of my, you know, I, <laughs> I just, I, 
I had a lot of fun last night. <laughs> oh, you feel a little guilty. Yeah, don't the feel, night before. No, don't feel guilty for having fun. Yeah, no, I just have to be careful because it is, there's accessibility. Like, I mean, people become accessible and things become accessible. I mean, I don't, I'm not a pot smoker, but before I get on stage, I've had, I get joints put in my hand and in my pockets and, mm-hmm. um, and that's awesome, <laughs> you know. You so. ever do Upright Citizens Brigade? You ever been there? Those I have guys not. smoke pot before they go out and do the most amazing shit. Yeah. I, I don't know how they do it. I, I watched them smoke pot. I'm like, you guys are about to go out without a net for an hour and a half, yeah. and you're going to be stoned on pot. And they're like, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. do, you, do you do improv in addition to stand-up? I've done improv yeah. when I first start, started comedy, but I, I love stand-up because I felt like with improv, at the end of the night, if it doesn't go well, you've got five other people to blame. But if I'm a, and doing stand-up, if anything goes wrong, I can figure out how to fix it for the next time. And it's just me. And I love that. I, and I'm also I'm the only one writing it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a comic. But, uh, yeah, it's And it's such it's a great fun, expression of, you know, your whole history going out onto that stage. And that's what I love about comics is the honesty. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty honest about everything i don't have a filter i thought you were pretty brave well i I think i Uh think the natural comparison is sarah silverman right is that you they must must get that she plays guitar and she's jewish but it's actually very different i I, I see that yeah very different i see the sometimes i feel like sarah is is playing a character i don't think it's her oh it's not her yeah it's a piece of her it's a piece of her yeah but but not like really bearing it all out there's all different types of confessional comedy and and who i am you know, Louis C.K. is that person. Yeah. There's no separation. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm. Except for his obsessive obsession about jokes. I've never seen anybody so disciplined about putting a stand-up routine together. Right? A lot of comedians are that way, right? Yeah, I mean... You saw Aziz do that. We went to the Comedy Cellar together last year. Yeah. And literally, we walked upstairs, and they just got done. Aziz had his notepad out, and he was like... Obviously, did not want to socialize. <laughs> you know what I mean? How is it with amongst comedians with you? And you're probably oh, around mostly boys, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, is it competitive? I, I well, a lot of comics are competitive. I don't feel competitive with most people because I just I feel like if somebody's got something and they're successful, then maybe that can happen for me as well. And also, I don't I don't have room for that. I, like I said, I've been super busy all these years, just with. Basically being a single mom. I mean, even when Rafi was around, I was a single mom. So trying to raise two babies and do stand-up, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. But So I've never felt competitive. No. I mean, but I, I love telling comedy. But where I'm different from when I get on stage to where I get off is I'm kind of introverted. When, mm-hmm. And um, I always was. And my friends who knew me growing up, I actually my previous career, I was a photographer. I used to shoot uh, for news and wire services. So, I mean, I would wear a baseball cap and hide and try and take pictures of what was going on around me and not not outgoing. So when I'm on stage, though, I get to kind of project. Be another part of you. Yeah, that can come out. But then when I get off stage, I, I'm... Baseball cap. More so. <laughs> and then, so it's wild. Like, people are like, you know, I've been invited to have three subs with people off stage, and I'm like, wait, that was an act. Like, I'm not going to go <laughs> have sex with you. But maybe now I can. <laughs> so if you're comfortable, I want to drill a little bit into you, – you sort of glossed over your own piece of the of your relationship with Ralphie. Okay. And I'm wondering if there's stuff in therapy you're going over or things that you could share that other people would learn. Go ahead. Sure. I mean, in because the, you really glossed that. You went like, "Well, I have my own stuff," and then, boom, 
Gone. <laughs> Let's not deal with it. Um, in I well, watching the documentary, I was it blew my mind because I realized why Ralphie left me. I mean, I was the I'm literally the poster child for codependency in this. You were thing. controlling, and I was trying to control everything, and mm-hmm. that I just it surpassed logic. Did you How, grow up in that kind of a family system? What do you mean, as far as like codependent controlling? Or? Maybe so. I don't but know. You laid it out well, to him, if you recall. You said I, I, that very first meeting. Listen, if you want me to help you, I will never stop. I will never stop. You told him before you even started dating. Yeah, I but, did. But what kind of family did you grow up in? Was there any religious um, Not, intensity or anything? No, or? I mean, I grew up with in a very reformed Jewish household. Reformed, so very reformed. Yeah, I mean. We, we Were they at one time very... Did they know the difference no. between Hanukkah and Passover? Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but Not I, that reform. But, you know, no candles on Friday and no yeah. no kosher, like nothing like that. Just, you know, they. We, I had some Jewish exposure, but nothing nothing too serious. But I think there's an addiction cycle in my family. Like no. my grandmother, you know, she didn't have a pill problem. She just, you know, liked to... She she just like to eat them and wash them down with vodka. You know? Oh yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. things no like problem. that. No makes problem. Them, makes them work better. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She just she doesn't have a problem taking them. She just puts them in her so, mouth and swallows them. So there was you. You became codependent of some of the people around you, and then just brought that over to Ralphie. Maybe so. I I mean I my mom. I love my mom. I have a great mom, but she was very. She had every possible sickness or illness mm-hmm. my entire childhood mm-hmm. and it got to the point where she'd be like laying in bed and she'd be like i'm dying tonight and i'd be like okay okay so i'm, I'm out the door so that's histrionic mm-hmm. right yeah. remember Is i that? said yeah and so that well, did made... she really have the illnesses or was she no, no. okay so i just want to clear that yeah. up make well, sure that she had all the, the illnesses she's 70s now so oh, she's okay so she didn't she have any illnesses have okay but but eventually you will get some but, but it but feels again, like my, i don't want to say anything bad about my mom because no, it break her heart but we, we don't we don't think about these no, things no, as no. pejorative no, no, we no, just okay. think of them as just sort of descriptive and we give them labels helps us understand them but that sounds histrionic and so you might have been attached to a histrionic person and then found another histrionic person to attach yourself to yeah and, and codependents work like this because i'm both so i need to be loved and my mode of operation to be needed is to solve other people's problems. Mm-hmm. Ralphie's is need, needs to be loved, and his is to be pathetic and need help. Oh my god! And you fit. Well, not There's pathetic. Fittedness. No, I get it. In need. Yes. There's a fittedness. Yeah. It's. It feels like. Magic, and, and then there's when another. You find that person. We yeah. were fit so with. connected. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's another layer to it too, which is codependents tend to have bad boundaries, and so when you when the other person is having pain or something emotional, you see that as something special on the inner child that's so injured and blah blah blah. It's actually not even his; it's yours. Oh. It's actually your stuff getting mobilized. <laughs> yeah, it's just, but, it's just but, an activation. Uh, it's just an activation yeah. of your stuff, but it feels like you're seeing something special in them. Even, and they are having pain and stuff, and they're having these things, but the, the intensity and stuff is all actually yours. But I think that that love is real. Yeah, I agree. But you, can, you need to get healthy, and it seems like he was trying but couldn't, 
and you well, let's you, reemphasize that because people don't talk about that. I think you're right. There's I, I, a way to to have that be real love, and as you, yeah. as you grow together, you become more healthy, and you allow each other to have better boundaries yeah, and yeah. separation. And that's what ideally marriage and family therapy is supposed to do, or even individual it, therapy too. You could do right. two individuals and get the same place. And the example being, in if. I give you. A, I know this is maybe painful, but if Ralphie had gotten sober and lost weight, and got down to like three hundred, a manageable weight, you would have thought problems solved. They wouldn't have because you still have your stuff that you would have had to resolve, right? You were so focused on him resolving your his problems. Well, but but by right? the way, when you but. You're not you're not as good as a codependent as we are. A really good codependent would go. He's gonna gain it back. I gotta stay on him. <laughs> Problem never solved. Problem never solved. Oh yeah. my god, you guys are blowing my mind. I mean, yeah, I well, the whole desire to be loved thing. Oh, I have an insatiable appetite and need to be loved, which mm-hmm. hence stand up because that's a total drug in itself is getting on stage and receiving the love of an audience, and then in my life. When I meet somebody, I I'm immediately love them so much, and I want that love, love in return. Love yeah, addictive. and that's tough. Like Do I gotta re- be read really any careful. PM Melody stuff. I have no idea what that. Is. You guys are blowing my mind. This is not. We'll have you in. We'll have you. We'll have you. Let her grieve first to get solid with that. And I'm just saying. It's it's just, yeah. This is not unfamiliar territory, though. Yeah, but we I do already, this all the time. Yeah. That's why we're like publicly. Oh, I already those. knew because you know yourself, and you know you could fall in love really quickly, but in your own mind. It's not enough time yet, or something like that. Yeah. Right? You mean time away? F- well, yeah. Look, I, this something, is something you just described it in Vegas. Like <laughs> I don't know, I could, I could <laughs> fall in love, but I won't. Well, you know, I, the some of the favors that Ralphie did that were hor- like not favors at all, but for me they were good. Is that he left me, and it was I had almost two years. So I it took me like eight months. Yeah, but you're to, seeing him every. All the time no. with kids, no. you're seeing them all no, the time. No, he didn't see his children. Oh god! So yeah, he was sick. So he 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 didn't come around. I mean, so okay, he left. The, he filed for divorce twice. By the way, he filed mm-hmm. once, and I I took him back. And we tried to get back together, and and then he filed secretly, and I don't know why, but I found the filing, and then I mm-hmm. returned filing out of California because I was like, you can't file once, uh-uh. I'll file twice. Okay, I get it. Like yeah. so, um, and he, by the way, the first time he filed was on the heels of like an oxycodone withdrawal, mm-hmm. and the people that took him were the people. To the divorce attorney were the people who also carried him all the way to the end of his life. Yeah. So it was a really messed up situation. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we – it got so ugly that I just – I had to cut him off from me. Mm-hmm. Never cut him off from his children. He could be – the only thing that I maintained was that somebody had to help him with the kids. Because physically, what you described with Kennison with him falling asleep at mm-hmm. the table, that was Ralphie to a T. He would, mm-hmm. he would pass out. And the children are young and they can't yeah. be around him by themselves. They need somebody that can help. And then some of the people that were around Ralphie also were not healthy people that Let I wanted to kids. Let me ask you. So I, you talk about this inner circle that was enabling him or whatever. I just think mm-hmm. probably exploiting him. But he had a lot of friends, and they all knew what was going on. Did any of them try to intervene, try to align with you? we got to fucking do something about him. Or, or yes. was he lying and hiding no, so good? The, so oh, good. no. People yeah. talked to no, me about it. No, I, I, I don't even know the guy. People would talk to me about it, and then 
not have anything to tell me. They just go, well, I just know something. No, something. I was told he was on drugs. I yeah, but then you, if you ever ask him exactly what's going on, they just go, well, I don't know, something. Something's up. So. Well, his good friends. I don't even know the guy. I knew he was on prescription <laughs> drugs. Yeah, yeah. And he, I knew he was on prescription yeah. drugs. I don't even remember where I heard it exactly. Probably. There was a TMZ where he got wasted on stage in Colorado, and then they claimed it was weed, but it wasn't weed. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. But so here's why I ask. We've been trying to start this thing called Comedy Cares for years. As each comedian dies of drugs, or suicide, we all get together and we go, we got to start this thing. And then, then it all just fades away and it never happens. We need to join the community, the, the comedy community together to have a drug and alcohol awareness and outreach and treatment and groups for comedians. I wonder if it come in under Music Cares. And like I think I'm asking you if you want to do it because we're going to yeah. do it. And, and the, Ralphie died how long ago? In October. Yeah. yeah. So we were, that was that night. We were over at yeah. that other comedian's house. What was that guy's name? We were doing a the, podcast. The 30 days he hadn't taken drugs for. Bert Kreischer. Yeah, oh, Bert. Bert Kreischer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were at his house and they went to the memorial. Yeah. We talked about it then in October. Now recently, you know, there's been more talk about it because there's been some overdoses. Let's go redo. Let's go go do Burt's again. We got to push him on. We got to get. But we need buy-in from the comedy community, right? Yeah, you know, you know who would be great to get involved in this, which would probably fix a lot of the problem. Would be not so much the comics, but the managers and agents, mm. because that's what, who's like, starting it. Well, that's who's doing good, it. Because I mean, I'll tell you what, they. It's easy for a comic to to go on the road because every gig they do, you're going to get 10%. So there's like no incentive to pull this person off no, the road. There's and a get lot sober. of managers who have a lot of dead comedians. Yes. And they want to start something. It's That'd coming from that part of the industry. But we, I, we already did this in the, in the nineties with musicians. It takes musicians. It took me and the red hot chili peppers and Bonnie Raitt and a bunch of people to get with yeah. the treatment professionals mm-hmm. and the managers and the record companies to come together and build it, build a well, thing. I- I heard Lana say she's in, so she's uh, in. yeah, that'd so. be we're gonna do it. Yeah. So I'm handing you a a little book referral. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> melody, me a little melody. melody. Yeah, yeah, love addiction. It's a really good one. It's a really good book. Okay. What about, like the first hundred pages? What about, the, what about the old uh, the old standards of codependent no more? And codependent. Uh, it, this yeah. this gets at all that same stuff. It's just yeah. she has a great way Have of you, writing. I, but I'm saying you've read those, haven't you? Uh, yeah. No, I read Codependent No More, which I was like everything in there describes everybody. Yeah, and yeah. Then, <laughs> you're you're gonna like. I'm telling then, you. What actually that book led me that like there was um one thing and there was like you've got to put yourself first and do something for yourself so while i was reading that book i i just we were in vegas and the kids were very little and i was like and they said to allow the person that is the addict to have responsibility mm-hmm. so i was like we're in a hotel i'm, I'm gonna, we had free access to the spa so i said to him i said i'm gonna go down to the spa for three hours i'm gonna get a facial and a massage and let you play with the kids and you can take them to a movie you can take them bowling because it's all inside the casino it was at yeah. south point and so I went down to the spa. I come back three hours later. He's passed out, and the kids had cut each other's hair with scissors they'd found in the yeah. And I was like, I was okay. like, if you that doesn't work, no more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I cannot right. leave my children alone yeah. in a hotel, like a contained where environment. I, yes. So you'll like this better. <laughs> I, that did not work. <laughs> you like this better. It's more theoretical. Yeah, more okay, theoretical. Yeah. About I'll definitely uh, look into yeah. it. 
All right. Well, listen, a lot of pleasure. Thank you. And Thank everyone, you. go see the stand-up special. Is it, can, we, we saw it on Amazon. Can you get it anywhere? Which special? My special? Your special, yeah. Right now it's on Amazon um, yeah. and iTunes. It's it's coming back out on – they're going to re-release it on, on a new platform. The distribution company went out of business, but I'm working on a new one-hour. And the, the Indiegogo will be up and running well, by the time this comes out. Great. So go to All Indiegogo right. and – or Lana Turner dot you know my stuff on social media. All right, we'll see you next time. Thank you. you. Oh, podcast. I forgot. To oh yeah, say. Oh. don't forget. Oh the yeah, podcast. the podcast. Yeah, Perfect like... Ten podcast too. And oh. since all your listeners are into podcasts, what is I it called again? That. The um, Perfect Ten podcast, and it, it's really fun. Usual platforms. Usual platforms. Okay, we'll see you there. Perfect Thank you guys. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Bye. All right, that's about it for this episode of This Life. Check us out at KBC, being uh, Lawrence Savon, seven ninety midday live talk radio Monday to Friday. You can also tune in every day live via the magic of the internet at kbc.com. If you miss it, we've made it simple for you to find all the shows at drdrew.com, the Adam and Dr. Drew podcast, the Zinc One I Do by Myself, the Dr. Drew podcast, This Life, of course, with Bob Swole Patrol, Mike Cantho, and his new health and fitness podcast. You can uh, find us on Twitter at This Life Podcast, at Dr. Drew, Dairy W, at Rehab Bob Forrest, and of course, our lovely producer at First Lady of Love. I think I know who that is. If you love this show, please subscribe and tell a friend. We appreciate it when you do. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. Send us a message. Join the email list at drdrew.com, drdrew.com slash contact. You'll also get a weekly uh, email from us on that. Uh, while you're at it, at doctor.com, please support our sponsors by clicking through the banners. We only advertise products that I can get behind. So thank you for supporting them, those that support us. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.